We're performing the anatomy of a fall on a forgotten man. It's all about some marvels. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Hello and welcome back to the show. We have a fresh week of movies to dive into with Van. Um, so we're going to look at the Marvels in just a bit and a forgotten man. But let's start with Anatomy of a Fall. I will say I've uh, seen the trailer to this. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. looked at the synopsis to this. Um, obviously, it, it comes across to me as like a, a, a decent thriller. But I must quote online, it has said, a masterpiece, an intense thriller. I've got a lot riding on this. What do you reckon? I'm not going to lie. That that review there, that pull quote, which I, it was probably Bradshaw's. I'm going to just go out and limb and guess it was Peter Bradshaw's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you start to know the pull quotes. Like, you, know, you hang out with these guys like through the week. You start to recognise the pull quotes after a while. Like, yeah, oh, that's clearly that's clearly one of Ed's. You know, uh, oh, that's Kevin. You know, it's 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 one of those like you start to identify your friends entirely through their use of certain words. Anyway. um... So, new fr- uh, new French-made uh, dramatic thriller, which centers on an uh, which centers on a, a famed author, uh, middle-aged middle-aged female author who you know she has a young son, she has uh, a, a, an author husband as well. Uh, they ha- they raise their son in the in the French Alps after he has been blinded in an accident, and one day the husband is found dead, and our author finds herself put on the stand and accused of his murder and I say this is this is in French and the best way to describe this is it's it's what then follows is your standard sort of courtroom murder mystery thriller effectively you know I mean like a courtroom drama murder mystery kind of think jagged edge from the late 80s with like Glenn Close and Jeff Bridges like you know back when movies were movies you know like that and that kind of thing but really cold and sterile and not at all staged like a thriller so what you get is something closer to like this character drama that just also happens to be this quite high-end classy procedural thriller like I really loved this I mean do, do you like a good courtroom courtroom thriller you courtroom thriller fan Adam um, I, I wouldn't say fan, but th- there are some that I've I've got into and, and watched and enjoyed. But yeah, I wouldn't say as a genre, I I would you know jump straight towards courtroom dramas. No, because I, I I am like one of my very favorite movies ever is A Few Good Men. Like I absolutely love uh, A Few Good Men, and I can I can quote most of that movie to you because it, yeah, it's that's good. script is it's next level. Uh, my cousin Vinny as well is a classic. But you know, the, I mean, obviously, and then you get to a time to kill. You know, to kill Mockingbirds. So many great quotes. It is the great unsung drama, uh, the, the great unsung genre. Sorry, the great unsung drama. Um, this is awesome. Right, so it's it's long. I'm not going to lie to you. It's long. It's bum-numbingly long. It is two hours and 31 minutes long, this thing. This is, wow. this is like Dark Knight long, okay? It's not Endgame long, it's Dark Knight long, okay? But it does not waste those two hours and 31 minutes. And to be honest with you, it deserves the full stuff on. If you know how I love to do a stuff on from Saturday Night Live, in which he says, this movie has everything. It's got, you know, and, and it is one of those. This movie has everything. 
it's got and it's got that wonderful it's got it's got a bit of kitchen sink drama like marriage story type genre it's got that joe esterhurst you know late 80s courtroom drama thing going for it where it's kind of there's something a little bit sleazy about it, there's something a little bit sexual it's got that sadosexuality of european dramas like uh the the, the gold dragon tattoo series like those kind of things it's got that kind of twisted sadosexuality sort of peeking out from behind the curtains like just daring itself to come out which also causes it to overlap with like david finch's gone girl for instance like you can start to think of it tonally and in context and things like that you've got uh, great performances in there as, as as well you've got a young boy who's you know, the young blind son who's just full-blown like danny torrance in the shining it's a really really good movie i'm i'm, I'm really in on this so i say the subtitle thing is gonna be the barrier for you I, I, I know that you're not into a subtitled film, but I actually do think is there a lot? this will compel you. It's all dialogue. It's all dialogue all the time, this thing. But it's really, really solid, really gripping, pulse-pounding stuff, even when it's being quite quiet and conversational. I didn't actually see much of, of subtitled um, dialogue when I watched the trailer because there didn't seem to be a huge amount in it. But one thing I was going to ask is the trailer gives this sense of build like it's building and building and building is is the payoff at the end worth it (laughs) right i don't want to get too into it because this is a movie that's that's all about sort of payoffs and reveals instantly going back to the uh, a courtroom a classic courtroom uh, one that was similar primal fear think about how that built and built and built this goes far twisty attorney this goes nuts at times. Like there, there's, there's, there's a reveal. Like just it keeps stacking reveals upon reveals, and you have no idea where this thing is going to go. And at the centre of it all is Sandra Hula uh, as the as the author as our, as our, our, our protagonist, and she's just playing this ice cold. Like she's just brilliantly matter of fact about it, and and tries to keep it quite grounded. Like she doesn't sensationalize it; she tries to keep it quite traumatized, quite real. And as such, because of the way the story structured, you honestly don't know for for ninety nine percent of the runtime of this. Like, did 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 she do it? Like, I actually don't know. Like, you're not sure if you are watching this courtroom thriller in which your heroine actually has done the thing they're being sent down for. And that is a really interesting play to go. It's really effective. It's re- and it, it adds this whole extra level of tension. But a lot of that, I think, is down to Sandra Hula's performance. Like, I'm going to say Hula, like Hula's girl. Hula, sorry, uh, as performance. Um, and it's, I say, it's something to behold. It's a really great movie, this one. There's got to be something that is bad or that you didn't really like, though. The runtime. I mean, the runtime. I don't want to be sat for two and a half hours. That's, that's the, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like sitting for two and a half. So is there stuff you could take out? Then? You know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> that's the thing, though. Like I say, there's there's no there's none of those minutes of which there are many, and none of those minutes are wasted. And that's the annoying part about it. It's a very long movie. Like it does feel like you have sat and watched like, a high end Netflix series, you know, in a binge sesh, you know. Because it has that kind of the kind of feel to it, like you could you could absolutely see this as the kind of like uh, French language uh, crime thriller that you would see weekly on, say, BBC Four, for instance. Like it has that feel about it. But uh, that's the thing: no no wasted runtime. Even though, as I say, its downside is it's a lot of runtime. I love movies that that you watch like this. Once you've seen it and you've got the credits coming up at the end, it just really gets you thinking. And you kind of then think about the whole movie again. And if it does that to you, I think it's a winner. I'll be really honest with you. I'm so glad that I watched this on a screening link at home. Because it was... 
Right, there's certain movies in which you can react, right? Like viscerally react to us. You're sat there watching. So recently, I saw Saw X uh, at the Covent Garden Hotel. We're in the screening room at the uh, Covent Garden Hotel in the basement, and I was sat with uh, Ed Potton from the Times, and and he's a good dude. We hang out a lot, and uh, and we're watching Saw X. And as the kills are getting nasty and nasty, he and I are just like, oh. That is nasty, ah, you know, just reacting to this because it's, it's just different people do that in horror movies, and we, we, we kind of like that. He and I were literally like clutching each other, oh god, damn, no, 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 you know, it was it was a wonderful uh experience watching Sorks, Saw X with him. Um, but I had a similar response to watching this at home, where every now and again they would drop a review, and I was like, oh, come on, you know, one of those, where I just loudly had to outwardly react. So, no, you know, some of those moments. And this this came with a yeah, few of those. So take that endorsement. Like, to, that's that was my response to watching this for two and a half hours. So take that endorsement, if you're looking for something to watch this weekend, Anatomy of a Fall. There you go. By the sounds of it, you might want to take a cushion with you if you're going to go to the cinema to watch it, if it's that long, just to make sure you don't get a numb bum, which I always do. But if you do want to watch it, it is out in cinemas from today, Anatomy of a Fall. Right then, A Forgotten Man, we'll talk about that in a bit, but next we'll see what Van thought of the Marvels. Stay there. Hello and welcome back to Off Screen. Uh, we're going to talk about A Forgotten Man in a bit, but right now it is, I would probably say, the big movie of the week. It is The Marvels, which Van has already seen. Um, a huge cast, as you'd expect. Looks like there's tons of CGI, as you'd expect. Is it what you expected? I, I mean, tons of CGI. Of course there's tons of CGI. It's a Marvel movie. A character can't open a mailbox <laughs> in a Marvel movie without there being tons of CGI. I mean, we are talking literally about the series of films that includes the small cat that then opens its mouth and the big tentacles come out. You know that one? So even the cats have CGI in these movies. Um, did it? Was it as good as I expected? No, sadly it was not as good as I expected. But actually, no, no, no. It wasn't as good as I would hope. It was about as good as I expected, if we're being really honest. So okay. this is... Right, this is a strange one because on the surface it's a sequel to Captain Marvel from 2019, but it's actually a bit more than that. So it's actually a one-off film in and of itself that's a crossover film for Captain Marvel, for uh, Monica Rambeau from the WandaVision series, and Ms. Marvel from the Ms. Marvel TV show. So basically those three characters join forces along with Nick Fury, who's basically the Charlie's Angel, uh, the Charlie of the Charlie's Angels Charlie of this outfit, um, for a new adventure that basically sees the three different characters at different places throughout the universe, but swapping physical positions with one another each time one of them uses their powers. Because as we quickly find out, their powers are actually linked. They, they all have light-based powers that become quantum entangled. So when Captain Marvel supercharges her fist and goes to punch the bad guy in the face, Ms. Marvel will then instantaneously appear in her place to deliver the final blow. And this is obviously the, the problem that's that, that, that's befalling them. All of which puts them on a collision course with a scroll, a scroll, a Cree. Sorry, the other one, with a Cree bad guy, uh, played for the screen by Zor Ashton from oh god, was it Fresh Meat? I want to say Fresh Meat, the Freshers series, the Freshers Unis, Unis series. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Fresh Meat, yeah, Zora. it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I think Zora Ashton's from that. I remember her mostly from Blitz, if I'm being honest. Um, who's to say she's the same race as the bad guy from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie? She even has a similar staff. She's the bad guy. They're the good guys. They're swapping places all the time. I'll tell you what. Here's an awkward reunion between Captain Marvel and her former little girl niece, now turned grown-up Monica Rambo, as she tries to explain the plot to us. Hi, Captain Marvel. It is so good to see you, Lieutenant Trouble. You too, and it's Captain Rambo now. Right, sorry. So what's new? Where's my sister? Yeah. I'm thinking that our joint exposure to these unsteady jump points and our susceptibility to electromagnetic energy has temporarily entangled our world lines. Yeah, that right there. Uh, Entanglement, our light powers are entangled, so we switch places whenever we use them at the same time. Which would mean Kamala... When did you get powers? I walked through a radiation shielding barrier of a witch hex, and now I can manipulate and see all wavelengths of the electromagnetic spectrum. I'm going to make the assumption here that you can only fully enjoy and understand this movie if you followed them all the way up to this point, rather uh, than a standalone. There it is. Yeah, you got it. Okay, you got it, buddy. This is, this is the one. They've finally done it. Marvel's finally gone and done the movie that you just... I mean, to be fair, I have seen all of the things that you are required to have seen to, to fully get this movie. And I barely cared about this movie. Like, I'm, I'm happy to be sat there watching a, you know, a Marvel movie and everything, but it's a very... To use the TV parlance that Marvel's always been built on in this iteration, it's a mid-season two-parter of a basically three-star standard. Now, the performances are very fun, particularly Iman Vellani as, as the younger Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. She's absolutely the scene stealer. Uh, Brie Larson you know, gets to show off a bit more charm than, than she gets, for instance, in the Fast and Furious series. Or like that. It's nice to see Brie Larson get a crack wise a bit. And Tayona Paris, you know, I've got a lot of time for. I loved her in uh, They Clone Tyrone uh, recently. And she's got the same, she brings the same kind of sass that uh, Lashana Lynch did uh, to the previous one, which makes sense because, you know, mother daughter uh, characters. The problem is. Right, you need to have seen those, you know, One Division and to an extent Secret Invasion and Ms. Marvel to care about this movie, right? Now, even if right. you have, as I say, I didn't because the characters and their motivations are quite thinly written. Everything about it is quite disposable and quite forgettable in a way that Marvel movies have usually been quite good at avoiding. Like, this absolutely veers into Thor the Dark World territory of the bad guy doesn't need a name, they could just be called bad guy. And the thing they're looking for doesn't need a name, it might as well just be called MacGuffin. You know what I mean? It's, it's everything about that is, is there's, a lot of, there's a lot of generic stuff being shoveled in here, but presented with enough flair and just enough charm that you're quite prepared to go with it. But it is, like I say, a mid-season two-parter. This is not a show-stopping finale, like a lot of these things have always tended to be. And it's very noticeable that when you get to Marvel movies, you know, that mid-season two-parter feel only creeps in with the lesser one. So I'll say to an extent like Age of Ultron, for instance, has that feel uh, about it. You think about like an Ant-Man movie has that kind of feel too. But it's it's not bad in any way. It's just it's just uninteresting. It's just a little bit unengaging. Um, and even though they try to do this Spider Verse style character intro thing for for all three of the characters, you, you just feel like you're stood around whilst people explain character motivations to you. 
like, hello, I am so-and-so. I have the ability to do this, which I gained after a freak accident during the battle of blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, come on. Back, back, yeah, like, you wouldn't have on. that normal dialogue in a normal conversation. We're like, God, we've had like 70 years of Marvel comics. We know how to do this better. Come on. You know, it's, it's very much that about it. You're like, you know how... I've read a billion Marvel comics. I know you know how to do this better. Like, come on. But, so, yeah, there's there's a lot was of that about a, it. There's, go on. Was this a time thing, do you think? And that's why it's not quite come out the way you think, because they rushed it, or was it a money thing, or just took their eye off the ball? I mean, I'm not quite sure what it is. It's one of those things that does feel like too many cooks. I mean, he kind of has that feel about it. I mean, it's near, near DaCosta writing, co-writing uh, and directing. Near DaCosta did the Candyman uh, reboot a couple of years ago, the, the Jordan Peele-produced Candyman reboot, which was very good and, you know, say, a real calling card of a movie. And directorially, this works very well. Um, it, it is entirely on, uh, on a writing level that this falls apart. And it feels like maybe the script just got bashed around too much or maybe it got edited down too much, but there's a lot about it that just feels quite incoherent. Like, there's a lot about the relationship between... I mean, it's, it's primary, one of its primary character subplots is that relationship you heard in the clip between Captain Marvel and Photon or Phasma, whatever she's being called, Toyota Paris's character Monica Rambo. You know, it, there's a lot of there's antagonism on Rambo's part towards, for, presumably for like feelings of abandonment, I think. But they do nothing with this. They just bring it up every now and again, and then towards the end of the movie, it's sort of a, I get you now you know, kind of a character resolution. It's up there with, like, Suicide Squad with you. I've already lost one family. I'm not going to lose another. And you're like, you've known these guys for six hours now. Like, what what family are we talking about? It, it's that level of writing, you know, writing yourself into a corner kind of a thing. Through real, really, laziness. Like, there's just no flashing out. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame. I was, hope, I was hoping this was going to be, like, the big movie of the week that you absolutely loved. But clearly not. Um, no. Well, I'm if you really, want to make your own really mind up, you can. Yeah, I can tell. You, I know you wanted to go into this and absolutely yeah. uh, come out, you know, loving it. But you can make your own mind up if you want to go and see it because The Marvels is out in cinemas from today. Right, we've got one last movie to talk about um, and we're heading to World War Two, or the end of it, in A Forgotten Man in just a minute. So stay where you are. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Adam. Hey, Van. What's going on? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. And so a big thanks to our friends this week at Unfold. Imagine a life where you're not always running against the clock, with a path to well-being designed just with you in mind. Say hello to Unfold, a transformative three-month program for you to reliably feel better with unique tools like the work of Byron Casey, non-sleep deep rest practices, and integral coaching, all carefully woven together to guide you towards self-discovery and holistic well-being. Unfold uses a combination of weekly one-on-one meetings, guided relaxations, and a carefully designed individual roadmap to help you gain clarity, personal growth, and a deeper understanding of yourself, combining inner work with deep rest. So bring your stress, your heartache, finances, relationships, and anything that you feel is keeping you from feeling free, let it all unfold oy oy, in the direction of well-being. And as a listener of Offscreen, you can get a 15% discount. Plus, you can also book a 30-minute free trial for a taster of the Unfold program. So if you're ready to say hello, to a more balanced life, head over to christinabonnet.com. You can find the link in the episode details. So thanks again to Unfold. 
Hello and welcome back for one last ride then. We are going to talk about A Forgotten Man. So if you love a good war movie, I think this one might be right up your street. So Van, talk to us. What was this one about? So this is, as you say, World War II, sort of just, just immediately after World War II set drama, set in Switzerland and starring, now give me a second with this name, starring Michael Nunschwander as uh, the former Swiss, um, I think I did all right with that. Do you know? I think, I think if we hadn't, yeah, to that was good. Yeah, if we hadn't been quite coquettish about that in the delivery, I feel like no one would have noticed. Nunschwan. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I think so. I think so. But anyway, so. Mm. So, uh, Michael Nunschwander is the uh, former Swiss ambassador to Berlin who returns uh, post-World War II, you know, after the after the death of Hitler and for the Nazis, returns to his homeland and to his family and to his, uh, his former business enterprises that he's left behind and has to deal now with a country that can't quite seem to reconcile itself with its actions both during the war and its actions in service to the war in particular the business dealings that they had with the nazis with with the nazi party loans given out and also and their culpability with certain events of history all of which build along with personal crises for our former ambassador and what you've got is just this really really compelling riveting drama about effectively guilt is about recognizing culpability and accepting responsibility. You know, accepting responsibility effectively. About accepting responsibility for your place in the events around you, even if you don't quite seem cognizant of them to begin with. It's fa- a fascinating film. It's not a story I ever really would have considered because you know, as we get told several times throughout the story by like you know Swiss characters talking to one another, oh we're neutral, we're neutral, and uh, Nunschwander you know tells us over and over like no, we say we're neutral, but we know we weren't. And it's about that kind of willingness to own up to your own collaboration, you know, being a collaborator, which is you know you imagine was a hard realization of the era for some people, but it's fascinating stuff. I think you'd really enjoy this. Is it is it more of a, a kind of set movie, or is there some nice cinematography and, and views and scenery that goes yeah, with it? Yeah, some great, some you know, lavish kind of uh, you know palatial mansion type things. Uh, you know, it was a black and white photography. You know, really, I think it's uh, Jacques uh, Laurent Negre. Laurent Negre put this together actually, it's, and it's a very handsome looking film. It's got, it's definitely got some glam going for it. I, I just thought this was really compelling, but it is Nunchwander's performance at the center of it all that's really pulling this together. And and give something they say subtitled against no clip for this one, obviously, but uh, just a facet of post-war Europe that I I really wouldn't have thought about the neutrality because like we say as the script says we just assume you know it splits them to be completely neutral like Vulcans in Star Trek style you know the, the full neutrality thing and obviously you know human nature tells us that can't have been 100% the case it's fascinating to see explored in this context and say it is loosely based on some real people and some real events, but it is a fictionalized uh, drama about made-up characters. If you had to pick, you know, one major part that you'd change, what would that be and why? What would that be and why? Uh, pass, actually. No, I really liked it. I've got nothing. I've got nothing Yay! bad to say about it. Finally. 
<laughs> and do you know what? It was it was quite tight and tidy as well. Because I think it's about ninety five minutes. So it's kind of a bing bang. Jobs jobs are good, and you know it's one of those. It doesn't outstay its welcome. Pretty much about the point that you think, oh, this is getting going. It's it's gone and it's kind of ending. But you know, it's it's one of those. Like I, I'd take I'd take more of it. I could say anything, say anything bad. I could do with more of it. How does it compare to, to other big war films, you know, recent war films? What's the one with Harry Styles in? You know, I thought that was ba- absolutely brilliant. Dunkirk. Oh, that was it. Yeah, Dunkirk and 1917 yeah. or what? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, how does it compare to... Yeah. yeah. Medal of Honor, the movie, yeah. Um, so, 1970, I remember 1970. Um, it's not that kind of one. It's a, it is, this is a drama. This is a conversationally based character drama. This is people in boardrooms having arguments, kind of things, people in nice offices having discussions about how they have betrayed the stakes. You know, kind of a war movie. So there's no war in this war movie. It is, it is a discussion-based one. Uh, but like I say, it's, it's all about, you know, the suspense of, you know, character thrills basically yeah 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 okay no that makes sense i'm not sure i'm not sure whether i'd enjoy that or not i'll have to have a look and, and watch a little bit more of the trailer to, to see if i would get that it. because you reckon okay i'll give it, it a whirl okay well if you want to make your mind up yourself you can go and see a forgotten man because that is in cinemas from today right let's talk about next week because i've got quite a long list of movies that you want to talk about next week i don't know what we're going to get to cover out of them yet so you know we'll we'll see but (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love we've got all these movies next week and i've still got to go see bloody napoleon on uh, i think thursday next week so you know i'm gonna cram that as well napoleon's not exactly a short movie with uh uh wikin phoenix but uh, yeah, so next week we've got Driving Madeleine, which is a new movie about a 92-year-old woman gets in a day in the life. A 92-year-old woman gets in a cab, befriends a taxi driver, and like tells her tells him about her life, her fascinating backstory in life. So I'm just imagining. I love like, the sound of this. Yeah, I just imagine like Forrest Gump in a cab with like Lily Tomlin. <laughs> yes, clearly not that. You know, that's exactly um, what I was thinking. There you go. We've got uh, The Mission next week. We've got May, December, which I think is Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Uh, Edgar... Edgar, no, Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright's Thanksgiving? Oh, no, it's the other one. Uh, Eli Ross, Thanksgiving, sorry, is next week, which is a spin-off of uh, Grindhouse. You know the Death Proof Planet Terror thing that uh, Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino did like 15 years ago? One of the yeah. fake trailers in that. Machete was one. You know, it was a fake trailer and they made it into a movie. They've done that again now with Thanksgiving, the horror movie that uh, he pitched in there, which looked fun, to be fair. Um, we've also got Emerald Fennell's follow-up to uh, the, I don't think you can have missed it, Promising Young Woman uh, from last year, the year before. That was. Um, she's followed that up now with uh, Saltburn, which is out next week, starring Barry Keogh. I'm looking forward to this. This looks very twisted, very like uh, Bullingdon Club kind of a thing. And last but certainly by no means least, and I have to imagine there's a a, a subset of people, a decently sized subset of people now who would still be quite excited about this. We're getting a prequel next week. It's The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not that excited about the Hunger Games being back. Are you? Are you a Hunger Games fan? No, not really. But then it's always these ones that crop up that end up being absolutely brilliant movies when you really don't expect it. I think. 
I was more of a divergent guy, but you know, obviously that died a, that died a very painful death, the Divergent series. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we're going to get the prequel that tells us how the Hunger Games got started because cool. I suppose that's something we'll need to know. Yeah. Well, we will find out next week if it's worth watching or not because you are going to have to dive into it at some point this week uh, and force yourself to watch it even though throw, you don't really care. Throw my three fingers uh, in the so- air, as they, as, they, as they would say in the movie. <laughs> yes, and uh, that is all we've got time for this week on Off Screen. We shall return next Friday. Until then, I've been Adam Ball. I've been Van Connor. And we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>